What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined, as always, by the man who has trouble naming all his fantasy teams, a.k.a. the Run DMC, a.k.a. Mr. Dan McAuliffe. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Max, I am doing well. As you said, got a lot of leagues going on. Uh, I love them each in their own separate way, but I've, I've been delving a little bit into the rear breed of redraft leagues something we don't typically i don't know uh, talk what that i was just gonna say dynasty leagues only um but had a couple this week so been a little been busy uh it's been a lot of fun it's always just a great time i love drafting you know it's just a good chance to get together with some friends chat football etc but i will say the dynasty mind has been leaking in a little bit and uh it's really been really hard not to take about like 20 rookies in my uh my redraft leagues this year so trying to trying to get out of that mindset a little bit just for those redraft leagues um but it's it's been a a fun uh kind of introduction right before football kicking off uh to do a couple redraft leagues this year well you're doing your redraft leagues at the right time um and on a sad note for for dynasty leaguers um, we need to talk about some running backs looking forward so we lost three heavy hitters um travis Etienne, jk dobbins cam Akers, all tragedies i mean these were all guys that you and i loved we thought were set up to smash this year for sure um but i thought it would make sense to kind of look forward right whether you're a productive struggle team team that's already in the tank and you're looking towards 2022 um so I'm going to kick it off tonight and talk a little bit about Travis Etienne, who, you know, whatever, the last week or two, it's all a blur at this point. There's been so many injuries. Um, Liz Frank, Liz Frank surgery, right? Season ending, was so excited to see this guy. I think he's an absolutely electric athlete. And that's really what gives me some hope, right? And uh, we're not doctors, and we're certainly not playing them on this podcast, but when you look at historical trends of some of these players, um, you know, you can pull a couple guys that early to mid-career Liz Frank injuries, Julio Jones, 2013, right? Went on to post some monster 1,600, 1,900-yard seasons after. Brian Westbrook, kind of mid-career injury, still went on to post back-to-back 1,000-plus-yard seasons. Le'Veon Bell had a minor Liz Frank, not missing the whole year, um, but his rookie year, obviously, we know he had a great career. So, I have hope for Travis Etienne. Um, you know, when people point to the bad side of the list, Frank, right? They talk about Darren McFadden, who, I mean, list sure. Frank was like one of his 10 injuries. And this is from, yeah, coming exactly. from someone who owns a Darren McFadden jersey, okay? <laughs> um, they talk about Cedric Benson. They talk about Ronnie Brown. They talk about Maurice Jones-Drew, right? Running backs that just didn't have the juice after the injury. The way I look at it is Cedric Benson had the injury in 2012. He was from the 05 draft class, right? Actually, the same draft class as Ronnie Brown, who had the injury in 2009. And Maurice Jones-Drew, I believe, was also the 2006 draft class, had the injury in 2012. Medicine's come a long way, right? And hopefully we can continue this trend as we talk through the next two guys. Uh, But I have high hopes for Travis Etienne. He's someone that if I'm not winning this year, I'd be looking to acquire. Um, And even at the right price on some competitive teams looking to acquire. What, What are your thoughts on... ETN and then maybe pick your favorite guy. 
Yeah. So I think um, to be able to see, and I think this is kind of what we're trying to point out with any of these guys that we, we have on this list here of the most recent injuries, is there's there have been certainly some people who not been able to recover from something like this, but there's also so much hope from people in players, especially uh, players who have continued to do very well in the latter part of their career. Um, it gives you that hope. And so again, I think we were really excited about ETN. I think these uh, part of a growing young offense that hopefully is maybe even going to get uh, a little bit of the, the the jitters out of the way in this season with bringing in a new quarterback, et cetera. And he's going to be able to come back to an even stronger uh, offense um, going into the 2022 season. So definitely have some high hopes for him there. Let's touch on another guy, uh, J.K. Dobbins, uh, as the next guy on the list and most recent of the bunch uh, who's experienced uh, an injury. And we're talking about a, a torn ACL there. So again, just like uh, ETN, this is a season-ending injury. Uh, they, the Ravens are uh, looking to have him sit out and certainly recover uh, over the course of this year to be able to uh, enter the 2022 season. So ACL is something that I think we've heard most commonly with running backs uh, and just players in general. And so he's, uh, to kind of list off a couple guys, I mean, we had uh, going as far back uh, in some of our lists here is like Adrian Peterson in 2011. Uh, Jamal Charles in 2015, Dalvin Cook, my boy, in 2017, and Saquon Bar Barkley in 2020. These have all been guys, uh, running back specifically, who have had that type of injury. And we've seen, at least for the first three that I've listed, some really prolific success after having an injury like that. Um, I think we we were talking about it earlier, like ACL used to be a lot more of like, a, oh man, like uh, he's going to be in trouble. He's not going to be able to bounce back from that. Uh, I mean, quote unquote, career ending type of uh, discussions that come out. Out of that and we list these types of guys now to show that it's not there's an absolute opportunity to be able to bounce back from that um Saquon Barkley is the one now that I think you look towards the horizon and be like how is he going to do this year I have high hopes I think they have uh, enough experience with this type of injury to find out when someone is ready or when someone is not and to expedite the process there. So J.K. Dobbins, again, I, I think we want to just for each of these guys provide some context on past because I think people get so bummed out and just immediately look to move on from some of these guys when there's absolutely been some prior success. Yeah, I mean, Adrian Peterson, great example, won the MVP the next year, right? Last running back to do that. Yeah. Um, and... Like you said, if you tore your ACL in the 90s or early 2000s, your career was over. But yeah. but that's that's not the case anymore. And and hopefully I can use that as a little bit of a segue to talk about Cam Akers, right? Yeah. Because when people talk about Cam Akers, when people talk about Achilles injury with running backs, they're like, boom, he's dust. Yeah. Out, out of the league, never going to happen. Um, and and it's really, of the, of the three of these injuries, it's the smallest sample size, right? You yeah. go and you look for articles on these things. And you can actually find a couple success stories, but the pool is small for athletes across the board, at least that have these high talent profiles. Demarius Thomas came, you know, came back and was kind of himself after Terrell Suggs missed like six months, came back and continued to play at a high level. Um, Leon Hall, famous uh, Randy Moss with the hand video if mm -hmm. you know I'm referencing. Um, he came back and was kind of, you know, his, his old explosive self. Um, the most recent one was Mikel LaShore. Right. That's the one where he came in, played for a year, got the injury, and now it's become this story because of Mikel LaShore that if you're a running back and you injure your Achilles, your career is over. Um, I think to your point, talking about the ACLs, it's modern medicine, baby. Things are getting better every day. Things are yeah. better 
six months, you know, six months later, things are already better. So I have high hope for Cam Akers. I think the other running backs that, that lose this opportunity due to that injury, they didn't have the draft capital. They didn't have the talent. I think Cam Akers is elite and I have high hopes for him to bounce back as well. No, I, 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 I think you make some good points there. Seriously, like as we were saying, once upon a time, it was perceived that the ACL was the career ender. Now we're talking about it with the Achilles. You hope that with modern medicine, both of those move to absolutely that's there's some recovery time uh, and it's certainly not a, a injury to take lightly, but there's absolutely more and more light at the end of the tunnel there. So so with that said, we've gone over three different uh, running backs here. Max, you're looking towards the 2022 um horizon here how would you ask me to rank them aren't you ask you to rank them specifically of course because you you do own all three in a couple different leagues but uh so you're very familiar with each of these players you're going into the next year how are you going to rank these guys um based on a their their talent and profile and and productivity and the severity of of their injuries yeah i'd ask you to do the same i have a feeling we're probably going to be on the same page um i go dobbins one because that injury coming back from that injury is just so solidified at this point. Um, Pre-injuries, that would have not been my number one guy. Um, But I'm going to go Dobbins, Akers, ETN. And I think that might be a little controversial. Um, But we've seen Akers have a 200-yard rushing game. We've seen him command an 80-85% snap share at the NFL level, albeit in a small sample. I'm going to lean that knowing the injury and the severity of it versus a guy that had also a severe injury and we never got to see him play a snap in the NFL. Exactly. And I mean, there's the other aspect that James Robinson is now getting another shot at being able to prove himself on this team. And ETN is, uh, Darrell Henderson, I have high hopes for him. I think he's going to do well this year. Um, But we haven't seen him be like a top like 10 running back uh, in the league, whereas we did see uh, that from James Robinson. So it's another thing that Etienne was immediately going to have to overcome that. If Robinson is very successful for another year, he might get a little bit more relegated towards uh, passing down work only instead of being the uh, the brute that uh, James Robinson can be if he proves to, to show out this year. So I have the same list. It would go Dobbins, Akers, ETN for me. Um, always really hard, right? Because you can't predict the future. But based on what we know, what they've accomplished in the past and the severity uh, and kind of comeback rate of some of these injuries, that's where I place them right now. So let's flip over to another position. And we got three guys to talk about. Let's do it. Now, usually, Dan, we name the show after we're done with it. Yep. We pick the name. I got the name for the show, but I need you oh. to sanity check it with me and let me know if it's too long. Hit me right now. The name of the show is Give Me the Beat Boys and Free My Soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and Callaway. Oh, because man. I want to talk character limit about, on this name? Because I love it. <laughs> I want to talk, not according to the service we use. We, we haven't tested that yet. Um, I, I want to talk about the Saints wide receiver one for potentially all year, depending on Michael Thomas's uh, his own injury history and what's going on right now. Um, Marquez Callaway, the undrafted guy out of Tennessee, 6'1", 205 pounds for those of you not familiar with this man. Um, And he was a relatively early breakout at Tennessee in a low volume offense. So this is somebody who, like I said, you and I have talked about this before. Sometimes the NFL scouting stuff just blows my mind because yep. Marquez Callaway goes undrafted last year mm-hmm. while he outproduced future this year, third rounder Josh Palmer that the Chargers took. Uh, same offense, low volume, really just kind of outshined Palmer in just about every way I can see in the stat sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet 
undrafted. But now he's got his opportunity, Dan. And boy, is it a good one. Because there's a man that got some eye surgery. Yes, he did. He's near and dear to your heart. Talk to me about what you think the opportunity looks like for a couple redemption stories here. Yeah, no, honestly, I'm I'm really uh, stoked to see that type of connection that happened with Callaway and Winston. Uh, if you are able to be like a deep threat, uh, like Callaway's been proven to be able to do on some of the throws that they had there, there's no better quarterback to be able to uh, have thrown you some real like throw it up and see what you could do type of thing than uh, than Jameis Winston. Maybe there's a couple other quarterbacks that, you, that are better, but certainly not anyone that's on the New, New Orleans Saints right now. So I have a feeling that Callaway's really going to be able to to put that skill set to work. Um, watching some of those preseason games, it was like, like I was watching it to be excited about Winston, and then immediately I was like getting really hyped about Callaway because I think he's going to swat in so well here. Uh, there was always this kind of ambiguity of like ah, the wide receiver room uh, in on the Saints is not that great, especially if uh, you're going to have MT out for a little bit. Um, so he's clearly made a great case for himself. I think he easily slots in, uh, as a starter, uh, on this team. And the only question kind of lies is he's clearly been given this opportunity to be able to show out. It has been because there haven't been other people on the field, right? So, I mean, we're talking about this. He's got this opportunity because Michael Thomas is not playing right now. Traquan Smith is a factor, whether some people still believe in him or not. Uh, He has been uh, doing great uh, with the connection with Winston prior to him struggling with a little bit of injury there. Um, But I certainly am not going to state those as solid reasons why Callaway cannot succeed. It's just a couple factors that I would say temper some of those expectations just because you're going to have some other wide receivers on the field at the start of the season, probably with Traquan Smith, and then certainly uh, later on in the season if uh, Michael Thomas is able to to get healthier. Yeah, he had a couple moments where he filled in even last year, though, right, when the Saints went through some up and down patches. And anytime you're trusting an undrafted guy to get on the field and go make plays, I think that's a good sign. Totally agree. Um, I, I agree with you that that Jameis tends to mint wide receivers, right? Throw enough picks to keep the game into a shootout, yep. and then uh, let's let's get some volume on those babies. Exactly. Um, I I think volume will be on his side. I do think there's definitely enough talent here to meet the opportunity. Um, the the hard part is going to be if Marquez Callaway shows out this season and Michael Thomas is on the roster next year, what do you do with him in dynasty? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying we have to have that conversation now, no. but it is something where with these undrafted guys, you know, sometimes you got to figure out where to cash in or get really good with the crystal ball, trying to figure out if they're the future or not. Right. 100%. Jacoby Myers was a similar conversation a year or two ago. This is true. And now he's actually kind of proven out. Similarly, you had guys like Travis Fulgham uh, on the Eagles showing out and was a no-namer. And then hope you cash in on him because he's not a factor anymore, right? So it's it's always that tightrope walk. Um, you got you to gotta appreciate the talent, but you also have to look at the larger business situation and the team situation uh, around that player uh, and make the best decision for yourself. So it, he'll probably be someone that we'll revisit and within maybe the first couple weeks of uh, – uh, NFL play and start to take a look at, okay, regardless, is he, is he a guy that's really continued to pr- show out? And if so, uh, he's probably someone you do want to start to consider uh, on your dynasty team. So let's keep it moving at the wide receiver position. And let's talk about somebody who's also underappreciated oh, and man. been underappreciated since the day we started this show. Dan, talk to me about the man, the myth, the legend, 
the Raiders wide receiver one, who's not named Darren Waller, Brian Edwards. <laughs> Thank you. That is correct. And we, I know we've talked about him a, a few different times, but we got to make sure that the people know that Brian Edwards is that dude and is also our dude because a lot of a lot of hype has been building around him lately, and I love it. But I also want to make sure people know that we've been on the Edwards train for quite some time now, and we just got to continue to reiterate that he is he is our dude and, um, and how fun he's going to be uh, going into the season here. P- people are going to have to take our word for it because I'm not advising anyone to go back and listen to episode two. <laughs> no, exactly. Let's, take let's our word skip for it. that. We, did, we, we certainly mentioned him, but don't go back and listen to that. It's not worth your time. <laughs> Um, but okay, let, let's, let's kind of recap here. I mean, uh, we always talk about this alpha size, six, three, 212 pounds. Like he's going to be someone that you're going to be able to trust, uh, on the perimeter to be able to, to go up and catch the balls. He ran up, uh, four, five, three in high school, 88th percentile speed score. So again, being able to not only be big, but also be fast. Uh, you definitely love to see it. Um, when it comes to it's it's always so hard because uh, he was not productive in his um, fresh his rookie year in the NFL right so you have to take a look back and look at his college profile and production and what he's been able to do and he is the South Carolina leader in receptions uh, with 234 and receiving yards the dude was a beast. And uh, who's second in that regard? It was Alshon Jeffrey with uh, 183 receptions. So massively blew his record away uh, to be able to take the crown and, uh, and hold it high. The thing I think above all these things, we've listed off some great things so far, is he has a historic breakout age. 17.8, 100th percentile. He literally sets the top end of the range for this metric, a metric that you and I both love because it basically shows that you were able to be a stud from ground zero as soon as your, your, your cleats hit the field, a, a, a superstar. And he did it with sharing a field with Hayden Hurst and Debo Samuel. That is impressive. So now you take a look at like what's his ceiling in, uh, going into this next season with 2021. Um I have such high hopes. Uh, I think the wide receiver one job, uh, like when it comes to actually truly being a wide receiver, because we know Darren Waller is going to get his, um, I think it's so totally open. Um, I don't care that Henry Ruggs was drafted higher. I think Henry Ruggs has a great opportunity to be the type of receiver that the Raiders drafted him to be, but he's not their alpha. Brian Edwards has been making, like, I just, I have so many liked tweets of Brian Edwards just making stupid catches. Uh, Apparently, Carr trusts him um, a lot in the red zone. Uh, He's going out and just making some ridiculous contested catches. And some people are going to say, too, oh, okay, well, is he making contested catches because he's like a Nikhil Harry who can't separate? No, that's not the case either. He's been having so many different uh, types of plays. And I think people are maybe a little fearful of buying into Brian Edwards because there hasn't been a lot of success with people buying in on like first their second year when their first year was like a face plant quote unquote right when they really just did not live up to that hype um but there's a phrase post like sleeper for a reason right there is plenty of other players who are able to kind of break that mold and people might be jaded by the Nikhil Harry's or the uh J-Jaws like the JJ Arcega Whiteside right like that's that leaves a, a bad taste in people's mouths but I think from everything that I've seen from just the reports out of offseason, um, Brian Edwards is going to be a star, and I'm really excited to watch him play this year. I mean, this is somebody who couldn't test at the combine because he broke his foot right before it. Yep. Right? So, and the biggest predictor of 
future injuries as past injuries. So it's no surprise to me that he kind of had a red shirt year for at least the first half of the season for due sure. to injury. Yep. And then second half of the season, probably because he was still catching up during a year where there was no real off season, like the way we had it before. Right. 100%. And certain guys killed that trend like a Justin Jefferson. But the thing I love about Brian Edwards is that, um, you know, you and I have started talking more about this recently. There's, there's this whole thing way to look at players through like their archetype and, and how those project to the NFL. And one of the things I love about Brian Edwards is he is not a Rondell Moore. And I love Rondell Moore. I love the upside. Yeah. But he is not a player that John Gruden needs to like figure out how to properly scheme. Like yep. he is a tried and true wide receiver one build showed it with the production in college in the sec. We talk about how tough it is to compete in that conference. And th- other than Darren Waller, like the depth charts wide open, they had no yeah. idea how to use Henry Ruggs last year. And I just think that the target share will be there. The talent's clearly there. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if all of a sudden we're looking back at the end of this fantasy season and we're like, hey, Brian Edwards was a wide receiver too this past year. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. And I think you even had people um, that were concerned about like John Brown. Oh, they're bringing in John Brown because they can't trust uh, Ruggs or Edwards. Uh, The Raiders released John Brown. Like, he is not a factor anymore. He's literally, like, everyone was thinking that he was going to start losing snaps to John Brown. And I think it's just, it's and it's not a dig on John Brown. Uh, I think it's a testament to uh, a guy like Brian Edwards where they are so confident that they have the right guys that who are going to be going onto the field now. So, um, as you said, I'm not going to be surprised if he puts up a, a wide receiver two-year uh, going into the season. So let's round it out tonight with a player that again, there was uh when we did Najee Harris last time, I was, I was stunned that we hadn't done a deep dive on him, but um, reigning Heisman winner. Let's talk about Devonta Smith. Cause if you want to get in the weeds on some archetypes and what doesn't succeed in the NFL, sure, man, Devonta Smith is an enigma yeah. because you're looking at a guy that's, they list him six feet, 170 pounds this is according to player profiler. We use them for all our athletic metrics, all that type of stuff. Very reputable site. Heisman winner, 117 catches last year, 1800 yards and 23 touchdowns. And on one hand, I love to lean on the production. We both love that, right? Mm-hmm. He's got this resume where, I mean, this is a guy who was competing with Jerry Judy, his whole career was competing with sure. Henry Ruggs was competing with uh, Jalen Waddle. All these guys still managed to show out. On the other hand, I have one stat for you. Okay? Let's hear it. Since 2000, there have only been 20 top 24 scoring seasons by a wide receiver that's less than 180 pounds. Seven of those are Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison. So in the past Ooh. 20 years, there's only been 13 scoring seasons of a wide receiver two or better by somebody Devonta Smith's size riddle me that man that's as you said past production in in college is always great to be able to kind of make some inferences but you also do have to take a look at past nfl stats and the type of player uh that devonta smith is and that's 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 a hard pill to swallow right um and i really do think it's probably going to I, I, I think I'm I'm just like you. I have a hard time buying in on Devonta Smith at his ADP just because I think people are expecting the immediate production that you would have gotten out of college uh, on an Eagles team that I would argue still figuring itself out. 
on an Eagles team where previously when the wide receiver room looked completely barren because of some face plants by, say, like a Jalen Rager uh, or some no-namers like we were talking about Travis Fulgham, um, I think now you're starting to see some of those guys like be the players who we thought they were last year. Jalen Rager is actually starting to look really good and come into his own. You're starting to see, again, this next wave of kind of uh, player that was unexpected, like a Quez Watkins coming into the mix. So Devonta Smith was going to have to entirely run that wide receiver room to be able to pay back on his ADP. Uh, and I honestly think they're going to appreciate now they have a couple other wide receivers so that they can use Smith in certain situations and not put his body at risk because that is an investment you need to protect where you took him. And he can be very, very like productive player. But fantasy-wise, I think you're going to see him kind of throttled back because the Eagles have to be smart about him. If they want to build this franchise the right way, they can't waste it by putting him out on a big contested catch. He gets blown up, and he's uh, just totally uh, injured for the rest of the season. I don't think you can have that, and I think that's why you're going to see fantasy owners a bit disappointed by Devonta Smith. And NFL owners like probably know the same stats that we're looking at here being like, we can't pick him and then not protect him. Uh, and that's probably going to mean some limited snaps or like created packages. Uh, that's not going to give him the full uh, run of the field. Yeah. I don't know how they'll treat him. Um, I think something that's, that's just kind of interesting to think about is we're talking about all this stuff at cost, yep. right? Um, this is dynasty cost. Oftentimes he's the number two wide receiver coming off the board in your rookie drafts. Yep. And that can be as high as the one Oh nine, the one Oh 10 or, you Correct. know, those types of things. I am all for upside and I'm all like, these are the kind of guys I want to root for. I want to root for Devonta Smith. I want to root for Rondell Moore. I want to root for, you know, these guys that kind of just break the mold of what's historically been successful in the NFL. Yeah. But Rondell Moore is a mid second rounder, sometimes even a late second rounder Correct. right now. Right. Um, and where they're both going respectively in startups, it's just, you're paying a lot more with probably the same amount of potential to miss on that player for Devonta Smith Rondell Moore, somebody that comes a lot cheaper. So I think people are getting a little crazy with the range of outcomes for Devonta Smith. Anytime you need to be compared to a Hall of Famer like Marvin Harrison that played with another Hall of Famer his whole career, yeah. like Peyton Manning, that is a maximum ceiling outcome. And I'm just, I'm not there. Um, I'm not there this season. And I'm not sure if I get there in the future. Would love to see it happen, but to help our listeners try to make better decisions exactly. in the first round of dynasty leagues, uh, first round of rookie drafts. I, I just can't get there. No, I, I, and I, I think you said, well, it's like, I would be, I would be happy to be proven wrong in this scenario. Right. I think we're both saying he's just a little too expensive and that he might not hit that ceiling there, but if he does good for him, because I really do want to see someone break that mold and be able to be uh, successful despite this, but uh, it's going to take a, a productive season this year um, to be able to, to, to make that decision there. Well, good conversation, man. We are a week out from kickoff. We are. Um, getting very excited, and we're hoping to plan a very special show with you, me, and Mr. At DFF Moose next week. Yes, sir. So stay on the lookout for that. Um, but I think that wraps it up. Um, some good, good 2022 talk, good 2021 talk. But getting out of here for today, this is the Dynasty Dynamic you stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in.